The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Right now that time, 818, you are tuned to WGNS, your good neighbor station, since 1947. And on the air with us this morning from the Agriculture Extension Service, we have Anthony Tuggle in studio. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are things going? Pretty good so far. Uh, I think we may need some rain out there. <laughs> Well, we do. Things are really dry. I was looking in the yard the other day and looking around. There are some big cracks in, 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 the, in different yards and landscapes. So we will. I think we, we are scheduled for some rain later on this week. Yeah. In fact, uh, I thought later today even there was a chance of rain. And I think there was originally a chance of rain, what, yesterday as well? Yeah. So hopefully we'll get some, I think, for sure we need we need a lot of rain we're we're way with we're down things are dry so what all is happening this time of year at the extension at i can't talk at the extension service scott we are still getting a lot of people uh come by the office or sending in samples related to uh plants plant death i think a lot of them going back to that um december freeze and then we think we have another freeze after that so we are having a lot of people uh, bring a lot of different plants that they are, they are not recovering, they've died, and most time people are looking for some um, replacement plants, uh, something to go back into those places. Uh, but So that's been a large part of what we're kind of dealing with. Also, with when we did have earlier a lot of rain um, in the weather, we've seen a lot of plants that have uh, quite a bit of disease issues. So uh, typically most situations it's not going to be detrimental to the plant, but aesthetically it's just uh make the plant doesn't look that doesn't look nice how, how often do folks come to you with a plant and they think it is a dead plant but yet it still has a chance <laughs> wow that's a tough question because i'm gonna say about uh 50 50 i bet 50 yeah. 50 uh, uh so like then they want to know uh Will it, if it's a dead plant, will it come back? You know, I typically I tell them no. <laughs> <laughs> you may get you may get some if, if, if you got a few roots uh, still alive. You may get some regeneration, but that plant itself, you may get some regeneration. But typically, it's going to be easier for people to uh, go in and, and replace most of those plants. And but by, go go ahead. I, no, I would say people are still having plants that they're waiting to come out. Uh, for the most part, they probably. It's gone. You may have a little greenery in it, and some of them. Uh, if that's the case, you can try to prune those back and see where to come back. But in most cases, if it's brown now uh, from that freeze, it's, it's probably going to need to go ahead and be replaced. And folks out there listening can text us any questions they may have regarding your lawn or your garden. And the number six one five eight nine three one four five zero. And uh, I guess the. Uh, Farmer's Market, that that's well underway at this point every Tuesday and Friday. How is that going this year? It's going great. Uh, we've gotten so far early in the season, we've gotten more vendors we ever had this time of year. Uh, we have more customers that are coming out uh, to uh, purchase our vegetables. We're really just getting ready to kick off into uh, mid-season where a lot of stuff is coming in. 
tomatoes, cucumbers, and uh, squashes and stuff are really coming in now. So people can baby pretty much find it, except for corn. You probably can find most of all your other vegetables and things that you're looking for at the farmer's market. So, yeah, so, I mean, they are they are doing great. What we have added this year on Fridays, we added an artisan. We have people that are selling the different type of artisan things that they've made, craft, blankets, whatever the case may be. So we're doing that on the small side. So that, that's been a really big hit as well. So we kind of give people a little bit of variety on things when they come out and uh, uh, purge. We got all the vegetables on one side and all the artisan things on the other side. So people can come by and buy different things. Now, at the farmer's market, you can use your uh, check card, credit card, and certain days you can use EBT cards, right? You can use EBT every day. Oh, on certain okay. on certain items, obviously you can buy artisan stuff on the on the uh, vegetables and stuff, and uh, cook stuff. You can use the EBT card uh, to get uh, tokens actually and to uh, purchase those items. And we have a lot of vendors themselves that have uh, you know I'm gonna call them squirrels or Apple Pay and all those different things. So we are coming to a, uh, I guess, a cashless society. So, but it's true uh, for sure. So, but we do. They, vendors do take cash. <laughs> so, do, you, do you still see some vendors out there trading goods for goods? Uh, not so much. Not so much trading different things for that, because um, usually they have to grow what they are selling. So if we start seeing them swapping, it can make us question whether they are actually growing or producing. <laughs> they may do some uh, horse trading after the fact or something, something they may want, but most of them uh, uh, actually are growing and what they are doing, but no, no, not a lot of horse trading going on that I'm aware of. Now, there is also locally raised meat that is available, and uh, farmers here in the Middle Tennessee area raise some of the, the cows, the pigs, or whatnot here in our area, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, all, that's been a big hit, uh, where they can come out and buy pork, any, any meat, really, pork, beef, uh, sheep, um, so they can buy chicken, a lot of different types of produce. And that is a good way of getting some good, uh, fresh, high-quality uh, uh, meats as well. And then think about the honeys, the local honeys and things like that that we uh, that our vendors have at the market. So, but people haven't uh, been out by yet, uh, go ahead and come out Tuesday and Friday from, uh, at least tomorrow actually, from uh, 7 to 12. And it's amazing how many people, I guess so many people are moving to the uh, community, but Every day we see different people saying it's their first time at the market, and and so we're, I, we're glad to see that. I'm curious can you can you tell a difference in like you know store grocery store bought meat versus meat raised on a on a local farm? Uh, I think it tastes better, it tastes fresher, uh, but in most cases, people you know it probably not for so so much. If uh, I would say only thing you maybe taste a little bit more. I would say have a more distinct taste to it. Would be uh, some grass-fed beef or something like that. May have a little bit of different uh, taste to it, but um, for the most part, it's for most people. I don't think they can taste a different. It tastes fresher. You know, it seems like the positive side of that is that you'll be able to actually talk to the farmer to find out, you know, how they went about raising. The cattle, the the pork, whatever it is, but you can learn more about the meat that you're actually consuming. Scott, that is right on point because that's the bigger thing about a farmers market and either direct sale from producers. The customer get opportunity to uh, meet that producer, understand how they are, whether it's growing vegetables, raising animals, 
how that uh product is actually being grown and how they manage it. So you come up, you begin a relationship with that producers. And also we see it so much at the, once they get that relationship, even times when they don't have the uh, farmer's market is not open, then they can always connect with that farmer and get whether whatever the case may be, uh, uh, vegetables and especially meat because they can sell those pretty much year round. So they connect and do a lot of those. And also we, we see a lot you know, if you have a regular customer, they'll be like, okay, well, you know, they'll hold this for, they know what they want, so they'll kind of hold stuff for them and, and kind of have it already ready for them when they come by and, and pick it up. So those relationships are very important, and that's kind of key uh, to all farmers' market, basically getting to know that producer. Now, the unique thing about the farmers' market at the Agriculture Center is that you guys regulate who is allowed to sell there and you can actually go out and do inspections on folks farms to make sure what they're selling is coming from their farm that that is correct we do try to get out and go visit them uh we don't try to get out early in the season because you know obviously a lot of stuff going we'll try to especially when peak season start we try to go out and and visit our uh, uh producers uh, whether they're in Rutherford County or in another county, we get with the other county agents and go out and visit with them to ensure that they are growing uh, that uh, product that they're bringing to the market. And usually if they're not bringing it, then we're going to uh, ban them for a year, <laughs> kind of a stiff penalty. So now, that kind of encourage them to make sure they only bring what they're growing. You've done this for a lot of years. Have you seen those situations occur where, where you had to, you know, tell a farmer, you know, hey, we found that you weren't really growing this. You you can't sell whatever it is they're selling this year. Unfortunately, we have uh, gotten rid of quite a few vendors over the years for not uh, growing what they said they were growing. It's amazing how you go to a farm and, and look at a, I'm going to say a tomato, and you can see the quality of that tomato growing in the field. But then when they come to the market, they have a totally different quality of, of product. So you can kind of like, well, no, you didn't, you didn't do the way. We were just out there. So these tom- they didn't, they didn't uh, make this 90 degree t- uh, change so fast. So we, we will, and in certain cases, we are, they just doing one or two things. We may give them a warrant and tell them they cannot bring this product. Or and then, you know, try, we try to work with them as much as we can. You know, because you see sometimes roadside stands set up throughout the summer, and some of those folks who have these roadside stands, they may have bought whatever product they're selling from a local distributor who sells to the grocery store right down the street from you. That That is true, and there are so many different uh, wholesaler, gardeners, places that are around, not a lot in our county, but best surrounding county. You kind of have to watch that people will go out and buy a lot of that stuff and, and try to sell it and bring it to the market. Uh, I know at one time before we were doing a lot of visits, we we, you know, we did have some, but we, we cracked down on it and make sure we ensure that we go out and try to visit uh, vendors as much as we can. And as we see the product come in and we have a uh, suspicions on them, we try to go visit those first. But then a lot, a lot of time, most of them want us to come out they want they 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 welcome us. They they be eager to get us out to to make sure they they get growing what they're saying they're growing. Now I have not read the farmers' almanac this year, so I I don't know what you know this farming season looks like. But is is UT or MTSU or any of the local universities predicting this being a, a good year for farming, or what are we gonna see? <laughs> I hadn't read it either. I don't. Every time I tell someone how I predict, 
how I perceive the weather going to be. I said, we threw it cold spells, good and warm. <laughs> like earlier this week, we had a nice little cold snap. So yeah. I don't, I really, <laughs> one day at a time, Scott, all I know. <laughs> but I think it's going to be a, uh, a really good growing season, especially if people, if, if it continues on this same trend we're in now. But people are going to have to, uh, and most, most of our vendors do, they're going to have to supplement with water. They're going to have to do a lot of uh, watering this time. It seems like it's going to be a really uh, dry uh, a year. So watering. Uh, so when I say that, we're going to have a lot of rain now. But but we, I think it's going to be dry. And also, you know, especially some of the homeowners really want to. They have their gardens and things of nature. They may want to pay close attention to some of the uh, insect issues, uh, especially when you when it get hot and dry. You know, a lot of times we don't want to get out there in the sun and, and – uh, get rid of the weeds and things. Typically, weeds um, kind of draw a lot of insect and harbors around plants, so kind of may pay attention to some of those. And, and, you know, honestly, for it already being June 15th, it, it doesn't feel as if it's been a very hot start to the beginning of summer. That is correct. It's been um, it's been a kind of a mild season, but it's been a great growing season, but with, with, with the exception of the um, dry weather, it's been awfully dry. But... Um, I think for most of our vendors and especially home gardeners, they, they they always have to supplement with water, so they'll do pretty good. Right now that time, 831. We're going to take our first break, and when we come back, we'll get to your text messages. You can text us any questions you may have at 615-893-1450, and we'll find out what you have to say, and we'll, again, hopefully get it answered. 615-893-1450. This is Dr. David Morris with Magnolia Medical Center. Do you suffer from peripheral neuropathy in your hands or feet, burning pain, balance problems, and decreased quality of life? Magnolia Medical Center can help. Magnolia Medical Center in Murfreesboro. Online at magnoliamedicalcenters.com. This is Peter Demas inviting you to enjoy a meal with our family at Demas's Restaurant. With cold and flu season here, nothing helps my family more than having the Demas's baked chicken and rice soup. It was a soup that was created by my grandmother, and we not only sell it by the cup, but we also sell it by the quart, by the half gallon, and by the gallon. So stop by anytime today and bring soup to your family that may be sick or a friend that's in sick, or just to enjoy it just because it tastes so good. Demas's Restaurant. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. And our hand-fed baby bird nursery is starting to fill up. If you are looking for your next sweet feathered companion, come in and see us. Find your next pre-loved, pre-spoiled pet here at Animal City. Be sure to check out our downstairs level. Here at Animal City, we would like to thank Murfreesboro for letting us be your family-owned and operated pet store for 33 years. Animal City is located at 919 Northwest Broad Street. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Hey guys, did you know there's a generic form of Viagra that works just the same, but is 95% cheaper? Just go to 4 slash joy. Through Hims, you'll get a free medical consultation, discreet shipping if prescribed, and the process is 100% online. To start your free online visit, go to 4 slash joy. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash J-O-Y. Whether you own a local business or a global one, you know that these days, generating growth is a challenge. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll not just stay ahead of the curve, you'll move it. 
with access to experts, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter, locally and globally. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Copyright 2023 Bank of America N.A. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.34. Again, Anthony Tuggle, our guest in studio today from the Agriculture Extension Service on John R. Rice Boulevard right here in Murfreesboro. Well, I know in the past we talked a little bit about winemaking and also about the vineyard which is on site right there next to the actual ag center. So tell us a little bit more. Give us an update on that. Uh, how is that coming along, the vineyard? The vineyard is doing great. Uh, I'm not sure today. We normally do a pruning demonstration, uh, different uh, grape uh, management uh, educational programs out there. But in the fall of the year when the grapes come in, uh, our master gardeners do a great job in hosting a grape harvesting event. That's where we have event. I don't have a date with yet for that, I don't think. They may have set one, I just don't know it. But they have a date set where they actually, people come from the community, come in and help pick grapes. And what they, in MTSU bring their crusher out and basically they just harvest it, uh, try to harvest all the grape. And then for all the ones who harvest grapes, then they'll split the juice up amongst the people who actually uh, harvest it. And then they can uh, take it and uh, make jelly, wine, whatever the case they may they want to do with it. But that typically in August, September time frame, they actually do that event. But that is, a, a, I think last year we had about 100 people out. So it's a it's a big group be coming out. Pretty pretty good number. I I know whenever the state first really started talking about wine making in Tennessee and new vineyards popping up, I, I kind of questioned in the back of my mind: Is this going to last in Tennessee? <laughs> it's caught on though. It's caught on. Uh, well, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, vineyards have to grow some of their grapes, but obviously they some of the larger ones have to purchase juice. They actually purchase juice from, I don't know, California, wherever the case may be. But they do have to grow a percentage of the grapes that they're uh, using to be in, uh, I think, Tennessee wines. So what are some of the more popular farms out there? Not not just grape, you know, not just vineyards, but across Tennessee, or more specifically in Middle Tennessee, what are some of the more uh, popular things that are being farmed here? Uh, well, farming in Rutherford County across the state, uh, I, I mean, some of the things that's on the rise, and we've started doing educational programs on, we obviously, Extension, they've been doing ed- education programs on a lot of agriculture, uh, pretty much all row crops uh, and also horticultural items. But uh, programs we've gotten into uh, lately has been working a lot with a lot of um, distilleries, spirits, and uh, breweries. We do some educational work with uh, with with those groups now. Obviously, Tennessee Department of Ag have started these um, wine guilds, uh, distillery guilds, and uh, brewery guilds. So we do a, a big program typically in January uh, at the Ag Center that we have all the um, I don't say we have all of them, but we have a large percentage of all the ones who actually grow or produce spirits to come in to get together. And we also have vendors and talk to them and talk about different things and connect some of our farmers trying to connect our farmers 
uh, to these uh, individuals because they're growing the stuff that they're making these spirits out of. So we try to connect those groups together and, and so they can actually get more of a local product. So we've been doing a lot of those type uh, programs of, of late. Is that true with, with a lot of the distilleries in Middle Tennessee and, and even further away, but in Tennessee, most of them are buying locally? A large percent of them are buying much as they can locally. I don't, I'm not, I don't know exactly. I, I'm just guessing I'm going to say, I don't think some of the larger ones cannot grow 100% or buy purchase 100% of everything they need for um, their products especially some of the uh, malt type thing they need malt houses and things like that so we are some things that they cannot get here or cannot grow we can grow we well we i guess we can grow it in a small quantity it's not a large quantity so we're a large percentage of them i think they are growing purchasing as much as they can locally you know it's pretty cool when you think about products that have been around tennessee for years like like jack daniels as an example (laughs) you know obviously they make so much that they couldn't purchase everything they need probably locally but there is a, a very big touch of tennessee i guess in every bottle there's, there's a big touch of every tennessee right. in every bottle. <laughs> one is made here but yeah a lot of i mean there are so many uh wineries distilleries breweries that are in this i mean you can go to nashville and even in murfreesboro so many micro distilleries are popping up and different things so there are so many so we really try to since they are using agricultural product, we really try to connect uh, those individuals with our uh, farmers so they can actually have another venue of selling their uh, uh, crop that they're actually growing. When you were younger and working at the Ag Center years back, <laughs> did, did you ever think, you know, uh, different distilleries and, and production of alcohol would be this big in Tennessee and, and that the Ag Center would be this involved in it? No, I probably back then we probably think it was taboo to talk about it. <laughs> Even though they were using agricultural product, but um, I hate to say, it, but I guess I've been here with Julabi twenty-seven years, wow. so it'll be. So I guess back then it was you know the whole society have changed so much. It'd probably been taboo to talk about us growing, helping a, a distillery or brewery or winery so much, but but we think about it as agricultural products, big time. Yeah. So yeah. we're really, um, so we're really, uh, I mean, of recent. Years when we really been truly trying to connect those farmers to those uh, avenues of uh, selling their crops. And you know, in years past, a lot of folks look to the ag center for things like cattle, you know, farming livestock and corn, all those things. Even homeowners, you know, they they didn't look at the ag center the <laughs> same way as they do today. Now they they go there with samples of their soil in order to figure out what landscaping to put up or what to grow in their backyard vegetable garden. That, I would say a uh, horticultural uh, product, probably our largest um, call, I know it's our largest uh, call, call base. We feel a lot of uh, homeowner questions with insect disease, how to, uh, what plants to put out, with this plant dead, or how to identify a snake, or whatever the case may be. Uh, <laughs> I try to leave the snakes to Mitchell, though. He, I try to stay away from the snakes myself. Yeah, I think I would leave them alone. Yeah, I let Mitchell identify those. But we, have, we, we get a variety of calls and questions. And, uh, and there are so many people that are moving into our community that are not familiar with extension. So we do a lot of education, a beginner farmers program, something we uh, do a lot of now. So many people have a f- 
five acres and they want to start farming or try to grow something to make that productive. So we do a lot of beginner educational program. We've always had people that buy says, I want to do something, but so we develop a program for beginner farmers to get them started. And again, um, folks can ask questions at 615-893-1450. And uh, you're going to say something else about those who are beginning in farming? Uh, I'm, I don't think I thought <laughs> <laughs> I'd be talking so much. But yeah, that we do. I mean, that's a program. I mean, it's across the state. We do those. Um, and we just really try to help from stage one because a lot of times people don't know what they want to grow or have never grown anything or don't don't know what kind of equipment to have or whatever the case may be. So we really try to go from zero to wherever they are, try to meet them and try to help them to get started. One of the questions we have here, it says, I've got a serious problem with mice. They're getting into my garage and into my storage building, and I can't seem to get rid of them. Any ideas? Well, mice are a little hard, especially uh, traps, those uh, glue board traps, and um, and really going to be the only thing and try to eliminate uh, stuff from being around on the floor as much as possible, try to get things up. But glue boards and uh, you get, really got to put out some traps and, and bait and try to get them under control. Uh, but try to get things up, try to get them aware. And in conjunction with that, try to get stuff up where they won't have anywhere to run and hide in. Mice are tough. I, I mean, they'll climb up in your engine bay even. I, I mean, they're they're hard to get rid of, I'm sure. Yeah, so I, I tell people get garages and stuff, try to keep keep stuff up. Uh, more you move stuff, kind of keep them out of they won't have a, a habitat. Uh, to do things like that with, but you know, you're gonna have to, in conjunction with that, you're gonna have to put out baits and glue boards and things and traps. Another question is: It says I've noticed an influx of ants in my house. I don't leave food out or anything. Why is there such an influx of ants? Ooh, I'm not sure why, uh, but I would go ahead. Pen or what? I mean, I'm sure there's a little. There are so many different types of ants, so probably want to go ahead and uh, if they have that many, I may call them an exterminator, but if they just in one area around the house, you can go buy some home defense spray and um, be careful you have uh, kids and animals, but once it dries, you'll be fine. But uh, inside, I'll probably also spray around the base outside of my home as well and put out some baits uh, as they uh, pick those. Don't do both of them at the same time. Put the base out and then come back and spray around the exterior of your house. So with, with those bants, baits for ants, do they eat a little, then take it back to wherever it is that they formed a habitat? What do they do? They uh, pick the bait up uh, and take it back and really feed the queen and the colony. All the other. So once that happens, kills the queen, kills the rest of them. Kind of, uh, they'll start dying off. Uh, that way, and then it's a good opportunity to go in and, and, and kind of spray around the base of your house. If you spray and then put the bait out at the same time, they are not going to uh, mess with it. So it can take a little while to get rid of them all. It, it then. does. So, but I want to put the bait outside and basically uh, kind of spray around the inside the home a little bit, and then after. Um, I mean, now it's a good. It's warm and it's dry, so it'll be a good time to put out baits. But then I come outside and spray around the base of your home as well. I mean, that's a home defense. I think Bear has a home defense product that you spray. That's labeled to spray in your home and uh, outside around the home. So most uh, stores like Co-op and whatnot, they oh, should yeah. have that. They don't have it. 
Again, Anthony Tuggle on the air with us this morning. Another question we have here. I just built a pool. Any recommendations for types of trees to put near the pool but not directly next to the pool? And I'm, I'm sure they're asking because of uh, the root system of trees. Sometimes I guess it can push into the wall of the pool underground. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not trees. I'm uh, probably go with um, some hollies maybe. Some evergreen, typically people like evergreens around pool. Hollies uh, would be a, a a good plant. Don't lose a lot of leaves. Um, magnolia um, it would be another one that I probably, will, you know, it may lose a little bit more leaves than the um, some of the hollies and things of that nature. Um, really, them only two I really can really think of that I probably would go with around there. Just not the the maple tree. It, it, in the maple tree, the one yeah, that sh- shallow, forms a little, yeah. what we call helicopters as they come down, or, or is that a different? I, I know oaks, maples, all those plants, a little bit shallow rooted plants, and they lose uh, those are the citrus. They lose their leaves and uh, quite a bit. So I was trying to think of some plants that don't lose a lot of uh, uh, leaves over over a period of time. Maybe use a few can, and that also won't uh, cause any uh, damage uh, to the pool. Pencil, there, I mean, those pencil, uh, pencil, like, these little long pants, uh, pencil need the holly. So some of those plants that go straight up and things like that don't have an extensive root system will, will be fine. Yeah, it, it would stink to always be cleaning out the pool because of leaves <laughs> and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I, I think I'd be hesitant to put any tree around the pool. Well, typically they have a if they have a wide enough uh, base on it should be fine. But I think those plants that I mentioned don't they shouldn't pro- provide a uh, a big root issue, and and also wouldn't provide a lot of need of foliage loss, so you wouldn't have to clean it out so bad. Again, our number six one five eight nine three fourteen fifty. Another question we have here is about the mulch. It says, should I get rubber mulch or should I get a natural mulch or even a dyed mulch and I know there's tons of different types of mulches out there and I guess when they say a regular mulch they mean just a wood chip. generic wood chip but the the dyed colors of mulches there's a variety out there there are I mean I would go with any well to see me I think they mentioned rock to rubber, uh, rub, rubber rubber if you have where well, rubber Sometimes the rubber one have still have a little wire in it because they take the tire. So some, I would be cautious if you have kids and things like that. That would be They're, painful to step on a, a Some wire. of those have some of that. But I'm a big fan of organic mulches. So any of the uh, wood chips or any kind of those natural ones that they mentioned earlier, even they can be dyed, um, would be a better. And they will last and they'll decompose over time. And, and then they'll add organic matter back to the soil. So I would go with a um, organic type one like that versus the uh, um, rubber. Now I, I think the city of Murfreesboro still has their free mulch available out there around Florence Road. Is that a good choice, or do you have to worry uh, about things like insects coming with that mulch, uh, termites in particular? I really I like the processed mulch. It's a little bit. It depends what they're used for. I mean, I guess I should say, yeah, I would use that if you if you gonna put it around your home, right around the house. I probably wouldn't use it. I would probably use a mulch that you actually go out and um, that have been heated and processed. Um, that way, you can you know you are free from any uh, um, diseases or insect. But if I was gonna use it out in the backyard around some trees or in some other areas, 
then that 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 should be fine. Now, um, can you dye the mulch yourself? I, what what would they use if they tried something like that? <laughs> I, it'd be a big project, probably. You know, Scott, I was just thinking about that the other day because I was driving down um, Burnt Knob, and there's a new mulch place over there. And I was warning of that process. I want to. I'm curious of that process myself. So it, it would. I, I how mean, they? If, yeah. I, I. I don't know. <laughs> if you could do it yourself, I could see where you could save some money because you get the free mulch and then dye it yourself. It. It would be cool to be able to do. Yeah, I don't think it died that way. I think they go through a heating process and cooking or something to, to really get that color in there. A L- little more difficult than what it looks like, I guess. Yeah. So. But that's kind of my thing. If I'm going to use it around my house, I would use a um, one that have been through the process. But organic, either way, would be the option. Now, that rubber mulch, I know you mentioned it still could have some wires in it from the tires that are recycled, turned into mulch. But on top of that, does that rubber fade the, the color of it? Because I've seen it in blue. I've seen it in black. It does fade some, uh, a little bit. Uh, if you have an area where you have... Um, no, I'm gonna say perennial plants or annual plants. You're gonna be planting the area. Uh, you just might be out around a tree somewhere. You're not putting anything coming up on. Yeah, you can use the rubber mulch. I mean, it'll probably it'll last a longer, longer period of time. Here, I, the uh, I guess this is mulch in general. It says, uh, how do I kill fungus on my mulch without harming my plants? <laughs> that fungus that actually growing mulch is. Uh, Kind of called slime mold, basically. Uh, just kind of an organic matter breakdown. Basically, I just tell people just to get a water hose and wash it off or get a shelving or a rake or something, just scoop it up. It's nothing to really treat for it. It's just the natural process of uh, that mulch breaking down. And I know it just sit there while it turns to off brown color, but it will not hurt your uh, uh, plants at all. It just looks bad in your in your landscape I, I guess i haven't really seen any fungus on mulch before so is it like a kind of like a white growth or is it what what is it it's yeah it's kind of white and it'll turn brown it kind of kind of people describe it like maybe that dog came in and threw up there or something uh, yeah so it doesn't look good on your landscape <laughs> no, it doesn't <laughs> so really it just they can just get a uh just scoop it up or and then get rid of it but it adversely won't hurt the plant it and it typically happens when you put out fresh mulch and then after being out for a little while and it starts to break down to start doing a little bit then. So it just kind of, as it breaks down a little bit. And then on things like the pine bark and the pine nuggets, it seems like those do a really good job of, of covering an area, but they fade in color really quick. I don't know if other mulches fade in color as quick as the pine bark, but it seems like they do. I, I think all of them, I, I put out some uh, Midnight Black mulch this year, and I think mine faded faster than it ever did. <laughs> I don't know why. Fades to like a, a light gray color. <laughs> yeah, so it's not as uh, dark as it, it was when I put it out. It seemed like it done it a lot faster this year than it have in the past. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know a way to um, keep it from, from fading, but the purpose of it, I know we like it for it to look good, but it also serves the purpose, of, especially around this time of year, uh, kept whole water, help whole moisture around the plant, and also prevent weeds from germinating, uh, coming up in your beds and things. So it does has a good purpose size aesthetic, uh, <laughs> the aesthetic look. So I guess the color is not 
for us to use is not as important. Yeah, it it does stink though. After you put much <laughs> down, it, all of a sudden it's faded. You know, it's like, it it does. It does have the smell. I had someone tell me the other day that they love the smell of that oh. smell when they first put it out. I like acquired smell. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Again, Anthony Tuggle with us this morning talking lawns and gardens. If you have a question, just text it to us at 615-893-1450. We only have about six minutes or so left. So text questions in now. 615-893-1450. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Come see us for all your gardening needs. We'd have everything you want for those gardens and your lawns. If you're needing special gifts or if you're trying to take care of your feathered friends and furry friends, please come see us. Tina, where are you located? The Rutherford Co-op is located at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. And you don't have to be a member to shop here. The Rutherford Farmers Co-op on Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off South Church. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. We'll see if you scatter showers and storms at times this afternoon. A blend of clouds and sunshine develops with a high into the upper 80s. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 64. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Time right now, 8.55. We are broadcasting from the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios. Middle Tennessee Electric has been lighting the community since 1936, and they're known as your trusted energy advisor. You can download and connect by downloading the MyMTE app or going to the MTE.com website. Again, Middle Tennessee Electric since 1936. Today in studio, we have Anthony Tuggle from the Agriculture Extension Service here in Murfreesboro on John R. Rice Boulevard. And I know we mentioned that the farmer's market is every Tuesday and Friday. Have one coming up again tomorrow. What time again on Tuesdays and Fridays? From 7 to 12, um, the market is open so they can come by and pick up their meats fresh vegetables honeys and uh, also crafts and things of that nature as well we do have uh food trucks uh out there on on those days as well so people can actually buy some stuff that's already uh, prepared so we do a kind of a so food trucks welcome. out there that, that's cool yeah so we have a variety of things that are going on we have our agent the agents out there doing some educational program. Our master gardeners have a ask uh, uh, out at the outdoor classroom where you can go out there and talk to them, and they're doing the educational programs out there as well. So it'll be a variety of uh, things that are going on that day so people can really get engaged, whether they're to learn something or to purchase things, uh, and also just to come out there just to talk and hang out. We have a lot of people doing that as well. <laughs> Another question we had here was in regards to trimming shrubbery asking 
is there a point where I trim it too often because I find myself trimming it about every two weeks? So I, I guess, can you trim your shrubs too often? I, I'm thinking with those hedge trimmers, I, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If it's a nice, healthy plant, it'll be fine. We typically are prune plants for uh, aesthetic reasons. And that's one of the, you mentioned that, that's why we talk a lot about program, plant the right tree in the right location, less maintenance is kind of what I like to uh, to do. I was at a nursery uh, the other day and I was looking for a particular plant. That's all we got this, uh, no, that ain't what I want, that plant, I have to prune that plant, I want this one because I don't have to prune it. It maintains it two to three feet uh, shape and take less pruning. May have to prune it once every two or three years maybe. And she tried, they, they weren't trying to sell me, they didn't have it, so they were trying to sell me a plant. I know I had to prune on a regular basis. But no, to answer the question, I think they'll be fine in pruning uh, irregular. As long as it's healthy, it shouldn't have a problem. Because they're trying to keep that aesthetic look. Uh, and sometimes when you prune it regularly, kind of keep that darker, greener color and things of that nature. You know, you go to some of these theme parks and they have their shrubbery trimmed to look like a Mickey Mouse or something. <laughs> but have you run across anybody locally who really tries to do different shapes uh, with their shrubbery and the way that they trim it every day? I have not. I haven't either. I, I'm sure there are some people out here that actually does some of that. Uh, it be a lot of work. Yard. It would be. I mean, there are some ones, I mean, I can think of some of the boxwoods that doesn't grow really fast. Once you get it shaped that way, it won't take a whole lot to keep it that way. They don't grow as fast. Some slow-growing ones do a little bit better job. That's that's the route I think I would probably like to go (laughs) if I were to do that. Again, Anthony Tuggle's been on the air with us this morning. You're listening to WGNS. And once more, the Farmer's Market is tomorrow morning starting at 7 a.m., then again on Tuesday And that's going to do it for today's program, 9 o'clock, and the news is next with WGNS's Ron Jordan. This is Rutherford County's Blue Raider Station, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, WGNS, Murfreesboro.